I'm David Matson, and this is Primetime 89, a chance for me to visit and talk story, check in and catch up with classmates from a generation ago, finding out how they're doing, where they are, how they got there, and what experiences they've had along the way. Mason Chalk was a boarding student from the island of Kauai, and in high school, he was someone you wanted to know. Though it wasn't an easy thing back then. He was soft-spoken and reserved by his own admission, which makes it all the more surprising that he went on to be a youth leader, a community leader, and a public figure. Mason! How you doing, man? You looking good! How you doing, man? (laughs) Wow, long time no see. For real, real, real long. The, the I last see time pictures of you. <laughs> Same That's here. All. Same here. <laughs> what side of the island do you live on? The East Shore. So I live in my little homesteads. <laughs> oh, nothing like Hawaii, man, back home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you get the picture of me at my backyard over there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember the last time I saw you back on Kauai when I was there for a conference during medical school. This was like 2001, it's like two decades ago, man. I kind of remember that too, man. You guys would have like an annual conference, right? Yeah, um, something like that. And uh, might have been at the Hyatt or something. And uh, I think I had a class to teach at the mm-hmm. Hyatt because uh, I used to be an instructor for American Heart. Uh-huh. Just sort of a side gig with the department. So Mason was the first born in his family and he shares with us stories of his blended families, the one he grew up in and the one that he shares today. What was it like growing up? You know, I was born here on Kauai, but my parents, they were born in Honolulu. My my father from Palolo, Mm -hmm. uh, my mother from Kaimoki, Mm -hmm. both graduates of Kamehameha, Kapalama. There were, of course, sweethearts. My mom was basically just graduating from high school and she had me. We live there right in town, but my parents were really enthralled with Kauai. So I have family here and had family for generations. They had moved here and that's where I was born. I lived on the South Shore in the 70s. My, my dad was the executive chef mm-hmm. for the Poipo Beach Hotel and Waiohae Hotel. Mm-hmm. And those are probably the, some of the best times in my life, I think, growing up on Kauai. When my, my parents divorced, I moved with my tutu wahine to the Bay Area, San Francisco, with my mother and my sister. And how I lived there for a you? few years. How old were you? When that happened? I probably was about eight years old at the time. And I spent three years in the mainland. Okay. When I came back, my, my dad had moved from the South Shore to Coco Palms area. He was working at Coco Palms, Got it. which is Wailua, uh-huh. which is where I live now. You know, it's from there. I went to Kapaa School and by seventh grade, you know, Kamehameha. Yeah, so I have a kind of a Brady Bunch family. I have, you know, one real sister. She's six years younger than I. Okay. And then I have stepbrothers and sisters from my mom who remarried. So I have a half brother and my father remarried and I have a half sister. So you're the oldest. I'm the oldest of four. Or do you have much communication with, with your steps on, on either side? I do. And, uh, but my half brother and half sister lives here. We're in the same neighborhood. Wow. And uh, my sister nice. lives in Kekaha on the opposite side of the island. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but I see them pretty much weekly. Oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. 
Mason talks about his formative years, his beginnings at Kamehameha, and a friendship of a special kind that he still holds close to, to this day. So thinking back to high school, how do you think your classmates would remember you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when I think about high school, you know, I think I was really introverted and people probably didn't see me as such, but I was shy in the sense that I wouldn't get really close. So I, so that would translate to me as standoffish or stuck up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this guy is like, wow, man, he must be full of himself. He's stuck up. Yeah. I had groups of friends that, you know, that, that I would gravitate to. We spend time together and I would think that, you know, you are your friends and that's who, who they associate with you with. I, I think that in high school, you know, I was at Kamehameha for a long time, you know, from middle school, school to high school. I mean, we become different people, right? And, and that changes fast. I certainly think at one point I was probably a party guy, you know, and definitely I had my you know, focus on surfing and, and paddling, you know, and wasn't really tuned into anything else at certain times. So I think most people go for the more self-deprecating answers rather than, you know, really what it's all about. You know, what I remember was that you were quiet, maybe standoffish, not stuck up, but uh, cool and really good looking. Still good looking. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah, at 50, you know, I'll take what I can. take it, bro. I'll take it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's good to know. I'm, I get the range from different people, but, mm-hmm. you know, I think by the time we were seniors, you know, I mean, shoot. You know, Kamehameha, I think, has a way of bringing everybody together. And certainly by our 10th year reunion, like we long to see each other and start to connect in a different way with life. So, yeah, for um, sure. You know, I got in in seventh grade and I mean, I was at that time in my life, I was searching, right? My my parents were just divorced Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was sort of like, I am out of here. I'm, you know, I want to spread my wings. And I think at least at that era of Kamehameha, right, that freedom completely existed, mm-hmm. right? I mean, as boarders, we're given so much latitude that you're kind of put into these very mature or adult situations quite often that you either really screw up on or learn from. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's sort of also where some of the growth for me occurred you know, as looking back to my kids is like looking back and, and, and they both went in seventh grade, by the way. Mm-hmm. Now I have an eight-year-old. Okay. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I think I, there is no way you know, my eight-year-old you know, or my, my youngest one go in seventh grade. That's just too young. You know, <laughs> that, that I need, you know, a few more years with them. And I experienced it with my two kids. I experienced it with myself and not getting kicked out. You know, I mean, it's not hard to get kicked out of commandment, right? And but believe me, Mason, I, I tried. I tried my best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But it's part of the growth, right? And and I think when you go in at a young age, especially a thirteen-year student, right? So like, you're young, you're testing life, and therefore you're testing the system that you're mm-hmm. in. And mm-hmm. and my kids went through the same stuff. I mean, you know, I get the call. I'm like, oh my gosh, this kid, what did he do, right? And I, I think back to myself, like, wow. As a parent, you know, I kind of almost forced that upon them, so to speak, mm-hmm. you know, because I wasn't there. So I don't know if it's guilt or not, but, you know, I mean, I'm a 
neighbor island student, you know, and so you're not there on a daily basis to help guide your kids that way. And I, I just think back as a parent, it's taught me, you know, that every opportunity is one of the lessons. My kids would say, yeah, that not shouldn't make it every, every lesson. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I, I take it to heart, you know, sort of the mm-hmm. what the experience that happens there in boarding. And I know it's, things have changed significantly, good and bad, right? Take it for what it is. Yes, definitely, definitely good and bad. So what kind of things have you saved from Kamehameha memento-wise? That's a great question. I, I Looking back, I, the other day, I ran to my closet. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I still got all my annuals, our paddling uh, trophies and ribbons. You know, that was one consistent for me since seventh grade, you know, was paddling. You know, I found some ROTC things, you know, and the I don't know why the the, the, the Kamo E that we had and Kamo. some of the ribbons that we had, right? And yep, yep. I got and, those um, too. Yeah. You got those? Yeah. 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 I don't but know why of... I, I would hold on to them, but uh, they're sort of nostalgic in a lot of different ways, right? And oh yeah, yeah, definitely. I got these. I don't know if you remember uh, this one from weightlifting team that I was on. Okay, so I think I was part of drawing that. Really. I think so. So I think it was uh, myself and another person. I want to say maybe maybe Taylor Westcott or somebody. I can't remember, but there were a couple of iterations and we had, I don't know if it was a contest or not, but I just remember putting some art together because that was sort of my my thing too, is art. Wow. Then, then I got to bring it back and I got to have you sign it, Mason. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I can take credit for. It. I gotta. I gotta remember. It. I might. I might be stealing someone's thunder there. Um, but certainly, I. But I do think I was involved in it. Oh, I gotta tell you what I have. I definitely have things from Horwath. Remember shop in seventh grade? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did that table that with formica table. Yeah. You remember? It was like made a table had the formica top on it. We did the yeah. trim on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I gave that to my mom. She has it. Still. It's completely delaminated and everything. She never threw it away. That's insane. I have, we we also made um, screwdrivers. We did. We did. Yeah. I mean, I have that. Wow. I have that. Yeah, it's accessible. It's around here in my drawer. Like, I use it. Crazy. After all these years, it's still a useful tool, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Screwdriver. That, that's, yeah. yeah. Family heirloom. It's it's a guy thing. (laughs) (laughs) Was there any experiences or or an experience that you had at Kamehameha that influences what you do or or how you think about things? You know, it's built some sort of foundation and value system for me. And I think that's sort of a common theme or thread that I hear from many alumni. So I think as a boarder, though, you know, living with people for so many years, it is an experience that sort of helped me socialize in my own way. So it really helped me actually in the fire department, right? Because you live with these people. I think that it's one of the gifts that I've seen in myself that I've been able to exemplify is be sort of a bridge for people. I may not be like the most talkative or outspoken of people, but I listen to people pretty well. I hear them. They might not know I hear them because I don't speak, but <laughs> but the fact is that I do and, and I can make those connections indirectly or at the right time. Mm-hmm. And 
that is something I think you learn from trying to, you know, live in a community such as boarding, go through, you know, every aspect of their lives as trials and tribulations on a 24-hour basis. So that was uh, certainly a gift and an experience. My family is a culturally based Ohana. So I guess it was always there. I wasn't speaking Hawaiian or I wasn't doing all these cultural activities, but the heart of that, the philosophy, the beliefs, the value systems, I think were there in line for us to connect to. And all we had to do was open the door, right? And I think that's true for many of us. Kamehameha had a big bearing on all of us in, in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, for me, I, I know I was passionate about things. And, you know, once I found a positive outlet, you know, no looking back, just charging. Was there a teacher that really left an impression on you from high school? And uh, it's so funny that you mentioned it because, I mean, literally just a few minutes ago, Sherman Thompson walked out my door. Sherman Thompson was my dorm advisor at Liho Liho. And he was my boy's dorm advisor as well. Really? And he is now a Kahu mm-hmm. at Kamehameha. He certainly has had an impact on me as a friend, as a mentor. Kahu Thompson certainly represents that for our ohana. Uh, so I'm thankful for him. I think we, we were all kind of uh, at, at a different place and where we are today is so different, right? Isn't it amazing? Right, we're just like just kids trying to figure out life, right? Despite this being a very smallest of our right of our chain and having seventy thousand people on it, you'd be surprised you don't get to see everyone as often. You know, it's a day in and day out grind. I guess you you know you or they're just not in the circles. Uh, Speaking of Ipo Torio, who I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just reconnected with her this past year. Her husband, Kamahalo Kauhane, he's a basketball coach. He was, you know, my eight-year-old signed up for basketball and he encourages and and coaches him. And so we started to hang out at these basketball games. So, you know, it's like different capacities, right? And so, you know, who else is from Kauai is, and I see often is Les Sabalos. He lives on the opposite side of the island. On Kauai, I think that's how it happens. You do lose touch with people, but you circle back to them. As a Kauai County Council member, Mason has been a public servant for eight years, though he's been serving his community nearly his entire adult life. For me, you know, Dave, I, I went to college to, to, to Manoa and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> <laughs> when I had came home from after college and, you know, just started reconnecting with people on the island and I was helping a lot of our classmates actually. Genevieve Torio. Yes. And she was running Napua Noyao Center for uh, Excellence, right? for gifted Native Hawaiian children. Mm-hmm. And she was like, hey, I need your help. You know, help me take these kids into Kalalao Valley for the week. Because <laughs> you got the safety background. And I was like, shoots, let's do it. It just was, was a thing for me, you know. So just about every program that she had, I was really active in it. From coordinating to running classes with them and safety officer and so to speak. And it was from that sort of idea that we started looking at, hey, you know what we really need to do is have a school for Native Hawaiian, our, our kids. And, you know, she had kids, I had kids, we're like, let's start a charter school. So I helped her uh, start Kanui Kapono Charter School. And I started working with uh, Stacy Sproach. She's a 1988 graduate. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I was helping her with the youth mapping aspects. So um, we got kids from the community. We started doing different projects on the property, agriculture to cultural, 
or right before I got hurt, actually, I was helping her and we we're saying, oh, we need like a way to like engage with our kids. And, you know, we know that they work learning hands on. So let's do like everything we're doing, like, you know, everything from Hoiva'a to taking you know, on fishing, diving, hunting. Yeah. yeah. One idea we had, all the firefighters and myself was like, oh, why don't we build a ropes course? Ooh. So, yeah. so we built one challenge ropes course <laughs> right on the beach. It's still there today at <sighs> Waipaw. And um, we started using, I wrote a grant uh, for the Office of Youth Services. Mm-hmm. And we started a program called Kukui Malama Lama, which is a uh, mentoring program for at-risk youth. So children of prisoners, basically, is where mm-hmm. it started. Yeah. I ran that for many years, actually. You know, I just was doing a lot of different things, even after I got hurt. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's kind of what happened after. Man, you, you're busy. How long has it been since you left the fire department? I want to say I retired in 2005, right around that time. Okay. And I was actually 30 years old when I got into that accident. Was it because of the accident that you had or, or was it other things? It was. It was really related to the accident. You know, my, my accident was in 2001. Mm-hmm. I was going to sort of rehabilitation through it. And subsequent to me retiring, I, re- I had gone back to work and had tried to really get back into the groove, but that hindered my ability to, one, work on the line. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there were some options for me, but they became more and more narrow in a direction that just sort of for my own personal interest and how yeah. I wanted to spend my you know my time. And, and, you know, after those kinds of experiences, things sort of shift in people's lives anyways and that's pretty much what happened with me yeah yeah yeah. so it doesn't seem like you know there's anything limiting you from just doing what like physically despite your injury have you recovered from it and you know you Mm -hmm. uh, you know back to normal yeah i um i was in good shape but back injury i I ruptured three discs and i fractured my spine you know my uh my tailbone got it the fracture you know healed you know, with a couple months, but uh, the spinal injury, what, what happened was sort of, what do you call those degenerative discs? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I had three yeah. of them, I, you know, every day, still chronic pain. So I just, it's about management, right? You yeah, think more yeah. than anyone else. So gosh, so what did you do after the fire department? So what happened was I got hurt and I, I spent like a good two and a half to three years trying to get back into a better place. Sure. Um, both mentally, but also physically. After the sort of different uh, accidents uh, or, or re-injuries, mm-hmm. so the department asked me to kind of look into other areas, like either take the best job or look into a new career. Okay, you might, my intention was to get back into the department, but I was already busy. So mm-hmm. firefighters were only work 10 days a month, right? So yeah, yeah. 24-hour shifts. And so I had a lot of free time. I got into a lot of different things. You know, my extra time, I when I got my real estate license is because I wanted to learn sort of like what was going on with, with real estate, you know, land and power, right, in, in, in Hawaii. And get get, get, get the understanding, wow, what's, what is this all about? Like, uh, I was also a bellman before I got hurt. That I quit that job pretty much after I got hurt. What's interesting, though, is that you've done a lot. So, I mean... I don't know if you'd call them more as jobs or just, you know, projects that you've worked on. How did that lead into politics and the, the county council? First of all, service, right? So I think from Kamehameha, you know, we, we sort of, in passing right here, the will of, of our KLE, right, Pauai, wanting industrious men and women 
you know, for the world. Uh, I think that some of it gets embedded somehow, right? And I think that's where, that's what stuck, right? For me, one, as a firefighter, two, getting out and working in the community and, and either starting a charter school or, you know, helping our classmates and, and starting to work with kids and so forth. The transition, I think, into really leadership was twofold. One was we started the ropes course, which is team building, experiential learning, yeah. working with at-risk youth and and seeing that a process could be in place in order to change and shift people's perspective and lives. And so not only working with at-risk youth, we started looking at working with, you know, corporate groups and, you know, expanding upon that. So I had started Koi Team Challenge, Kupua Leadership Development, uh, really under that thought, right, is that what we need is community, you yeah. know, to develop. And then in the 90s, um, the late 90s, actually right around the time I got hurt, these meetings were, were happening I want to say that was sort of like an economic boom in real estate during that period, late 90s, yeah, yeah. Uh, early 2000s. And, you know, whenever something big like that happens, especially for Hawaii, right, as we're experiencing it now, you know, there's a lot of clash, right? It's like, who's these people moving here? Like, what? Why are they taking our jobs? Why are they making traffic, right? And why is their opinion so different from us? And so yeah. Yeah. there was this emerging contention at our public meetings, our public spaces, you know, all these leaders uh, that were preceded me we're having the discussion about like, what should we do? What can we do? And the thought was to build a leadership program and it was called Leadership Kauai. Mm -hmm. And they called me in to assist with putting that program together. Yeah. Um, so long story short, I started to work with this organization and they asked me to come on board. I took on the youth segment. I grew that program. It was very successful. Uh, in fact, we transitioned it into the high schools uh, years later. Mm -hmm. And we have an adult program. The adult program is based on a cross-section of emerging leaders. Mm -hmm. So we take ag, we take, you know, government, we took education, you know, we take nonprofit, and we just ask them to enlist in this annual program. And basically, they spend the whole year together. Yeah, twice a month, we get together, we do huakai, we visit, and we hear from other leaders. And then I started to develop and utilize different leadership values, right? And one of them I got really connected to. So I eventually became the, uh, the executive director of the organization. But the idea of you know, positive systemic change was really on my mind, right? And, and from that time, you know, I felt like, yeah, there needs to be something that helps us, our island, you know, get to the better place, the better outcome. Mm -hmm. Right along that same time, I got into this helicopter crash. Yeah. Right. So it was right, right at the midst of get coming out of the helicopter crash and then going through the whole physical, you know, um, rehab, rehab and, and, and really I was really an angry person. I feel like, cause I thought, uh, you know, like when you get railroaded, you're like, man, this is the world. I hate the world. You know? And yeah. I was so blessed mm -hmm. Yeah, because I had met, um, mentors and team Mahilani Poe Poe. Arthur Pacheco, um, they were seers and healers that I ran into for my back, able to kind of help me shift my perspective and into like, maybe you should be applying it to this, or maybe that's not really what you're supposed to be doing. And this is what you're supposed to be focusing your energy on. And that's really what that's kind right. of catapulted me in down that road of leadership development. So the, the company, the organization, all of it kind of started to meld together for me. Mm -hmm. I ran the organization for about seven years. Uh -huh. And, you know, one of the philosophies of leadership that we prescribe to is that leadership is there for everyone. Right? I mean, everyone has some kuleana connection to it. 
So initially I wasn't looking at politics, but when I left the organization, I took the youth program, I put it into the high schools. Mm -hmm. So I thought, let's go attack the, the biggest systems, education, business, and government. So I was already doing corporate work and leadership development. I kind of branched off and did like the, for, the for-profit side of it. Mm-hmm. And then there was an opportunity. You know, the two mentors that were still at the county council said, hey, there's an opening at the council. And um, it was probably at the most contentious period in our mm-hmm. political, uh, you know, history on Kauai. But <laughs> they asked me to sign up for it. And so well, I was appointed. Well, why, why was it contentious at that time? The whole pesticide, GMO. Yeah conflict was emerging i get voted in i get appointed right on the spot you know sworn into office within 15 minutes of the vote and then spend the next six hours getting briefed on this override veto because the next morning we're going to vote on it oh my (laughs) (laughs) welcome to politics (laughs) welcome to politics under fire so that was my introduction to politics i thought it'll be temporary but i'll tell you Dave, what really shifted my mind in, in putting my name in the hat at that time was getting in there and working like with 40 students with one teacher, right? And just realizing like, how the hell are these guys doing this work? Yeah. And, you know, you never know what this is until you get into it. And so my thought for leadership and government was, oh, we'll never change it from the inside out. That's too corrupt or whatever and blah, blah, blah. I was very cynical. I better figure out what's going on in here in order for me to try to make a difference. You know, that's right. Everyone has great ideas. That's the great thing is sitting in this seat, right? Uh, as a council member, I, I'm closest, one, I'm closest to the community. And I hear it all. I hear the complaints, but I also hear like all the great ideas. And what I think we are conditioned to believe that if we put all of our trust and faith into one person or that we should achieve the outcome because they're of like mind and so forth, right? And then I think that there's this prevailing belief that that's that's what they need to do as which is not only their civic duty but as much as they could do but the truth is that i mean it goes back to that leadership philosophy that i'm that you know i, I still kind of like stuck on right is that everyone's kuleana at every moment and as every as often as possible so that when we have these ideas they're ideas that should be co-created with government rather than led by government or funded by government even uh, that those great ideas are opportunities never really truly achieve until call it what you want private public partnership really emerges so mm-hmm. uh, those are the ones that not only are to in my mind become the most successful they are the most you know impactful for a better future yeah i agree, I agree. that that does make a lot of sense I and mean, i would agree that being more involved citizens and members of society is definitely important what does service public service serving the community mean to you for me specifically, it's about being an advocate of leadership, which is really about others and empowering others towards specific outcomes, right? You know, I'm a part of this group body of research called the Leadership Challenge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's been around since about the 80s. And every year we get together, our community gets together. There's about 60, 70 of us worldwide that meet annually and mm-hmm. look at the data and you know, discuss like what is really leadership now and for the future. And so the advocacy of these practices and really come down to how it is we can raise the bar collectively in all of our circles, right? So we can expand these circles and then our subsequently the ability for us to succeed and have 
fruitful, abundant, and happy lives. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's how my service really comes into play. So it's, it shows up in a lot of different ways that are is personal for me. For instance, man, my service in government is one of them, yeah. but it's certainly not the only. I run weekend workshops with aspiring candidates who want to run for office or still help run leadership koi, or it might be a youth program. Mm-hmm. Service to me is actionable, right? It's, so it's like taking the concept of leadership from values to vision to action. For instance, my investment into Aloha Aina organizations and seeing that we restore the local ia here on Kauai, right? Alakoko Fish Pond has really been sort of my own interest in continuous learning. I guess the understanding that life is about continuous learning. And so I try and put myself into that situation to always practice it you know, my interests and, and value and the environment and the culture and history and, and all of those things sort of culminate around these Aloha projects. And I found how it is we preserve and take these ideals that we have embedded in us from our ancestors and make them not only real, but making it viable resource that we will never again lose. I mean, it's really about our ability to take care of ourselves and that's where it starts all um so i've been working at not only standing these projects up but acquiring these in perpetuity like we're looking at you know the acquisition of this fish pond we're looking at at the acquisition of coco palms which is you know wailua nui but doing things with it that's different from just us talking about it but making it alive again i think it will always be about cultivating leadership. It sounds like you're in the perfect job, you know, if we were to call it a job or like a in service, because you get to, you know, attack it from all different angles and try and accomplish that goal, you know, very goal oriented rather than job or task oriented. So yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. The work of a public servant is never done and you're never truly off the clock. But when he's able to carve time out for himself, this is how Mason finds balance. So being a parent, you know, how has that changed your perception of things? Well, they've all been an experiment. Right? <laughs> they, they all are. And it's the, first, it's, it's the oldest. They get the bum rap. I'm, I'm the oldest. <laughs> That's what happens, man. Yeah, I know. You are too, I, the oldest, huh? So am I. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So tell me about your wife. She's a big island girl. Okay. Kilo girl. Her name's Shyla. Kilo oh. high graduate. Fairly younger. <laughs> yeah. So you have you have one son with her then, an, an eight-year-old. Eight-year-old, yeah. So I was previously married. Okay. Uh, I had my two boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I have to say, things are really good for both of us. Okay. In fact, in some ways, I, I have uh, you know my best friend back. Oh, good. Uh, sometimes marriage can actually complicate those things we were kids too mm-hmm. um, but we raised our kids together still you know our two boys and uh, I want to say it wasn't much after my um, accident that sort of it was this whole shift in my life occurred and that's sort of where we separated as well yeah uh, at that time and so that was in my 30s and I have kids who have gone to Kamehameha now right yeah I got these two young men 27 year old 24 year old Great human beings. One is in uh, San Francisco. He's attending Berkeley. Yeah. Um, and should be finishing up his doctorate 
Wonderful. What is he getting it in? Biology, plant uh, biology. He's uh, you see, a botanist. Oh, plant biology. Wow. And so where do, what does he want to do with it after? I think he'd like to come back to, I mean, he's deeply into conservation. And so Hawaii is, is definitely, you know, on the list. I, I can see him kind of staying in academia. It seems like he might want to be there. Uh, he says, yeah, I'm coming home. But I'm saying, what, to what? <laughs> 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 the middle one is here on Kauai. And he helps with the family business. So they own a restaurant. And so he helps his mom uh, yeah. run the restaurant. Cool. And on the other side, my family owns Kauai Salsa. Hmm. My dad has had that business for years. Well, he just gave that business to my ex and his wife. <laughs> and my son helps run that. Everyone still gets together on a weekly basis. Uh, I, like when, that, just, when that meeting come, happens with the family, it's literally everyone, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like there's a lot of love going on, though. So that's good. Yeah. Uh, so tell me something about you that we didn't know. I'm a water person. I love the ocean. I grew up in the ocean Ooh, across the yeah. street from a, a place. And I come from a line of fishermen. And so uh, that's in my blood, you know, to to fish and dive and I don't know I, I got to tell you the, the older I get the more of an open book and especially in my position it's like everybody makes it a point to know everything about you so. <laughs> <laughs> whether you like it or not you know what I mean uh, it's just part of the, the nature of the beast you know in mm. being a politician you know we all learn and adapt to who we need to be in order to do the work that we love to do and so I don't mind speaking to you now or having to jump on another Zoom call and talk to the news, you know, or, or do a speech or, but the truth is, I mean, Mason Chalk likes to cuddle up at home and stay in a cave often. And then that's a, a, a big part of, you know, uh, my recuperating and balancing uh, my life is uh, that retreat. I do it in other ways. I mentioned the ocean, but I, I am a swimmer. And so I do, you know, 30 to 40 minutes, at least a couple of times a, a week, open mm-hmm. ocean or in the pool. I like open ocean better. If I'm not diving, then I'm just getting in for the exercise and reconnecting sort of like my hiubai uh, and my cleansing there. But also the other way is to just like close out the windows, close the drapes <laughs> and, <laughs> and retreat and don't answer the calls. I got to say, like, and we, and we talked about it before, is like, you take care of yourself in order to take care of others. In my last five to 10 years, I really started to recognize the importance of that on a health uh, mm-hmm. perspective. And so it's becoming more and more a bigger part of my life, I, I'm recognizing, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it gives me more connectivity, not only to myself, but to Keakua. I recognize that you like the solitude, but not to the extent that you described, but it's kind of, you know, unexpected for a politician to say, you know, I kind of like, you know, I kind of like just hanging at home and, you know, just, <laughs> just being by myself. There's a lot of value in that. Cause I feel the same way. You know, I like driving around like on my motorcycle in the car, just hey. listening to the radio and thinking about stuff, you know, and that kind of solitude and, you know, self-reflection is really nice and therapeutic. So, well, what kind of bike do you have? I have um, Honda Interceptor VFR 500. I had a 91 GSXR 750 
that I love. That yeah. used to be a, a good, a, a fun thing for me. I had a Honda Shadow. Nice. I, that was fun. I mean, I, I had that. I, I had toys, right? At one time, you know, you're, you know, you're 50 years old, David, when, when you don't have those anymore and you trade it in for photovoltaic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I no, got rid of the boat. I got rid of the bike and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most beautiful thing that you've ever witnessed in your life? Oh gosh. Birth and the birth of, of your own child, I think is really beautiful. When I was a firefighter, I had two in the field births and they were not as beautiful, but they were, they were very special, but it was like, you know, in the backseat of a car, like, well, okay. <laughs> and, you know, if you come to Kauai, Nepali coast is sort of this like untouched, right? Like pristine valleys, like cathedral, you know, valleys that like, so I used to work on a rescue team, man. That it was a helicopter crash. So yeah. um, wow. I, you know, we'd go do a long line operations and pick up people. And we do most of our rescues on the Pali Coast. A lot of these rescues require us to go distances underneath, like 150 feet underneath the helicopter. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the carnival ride of your life. Yeah. You know what I mean? And on a specific occasion, I still remember this day, I was on the Pali Coast to Ava Ava Puhi Trail like just pinnacles of, you know, and in the light, in the mist and, and the fog and, and the rain and the sun coming down, like I was flying through that and it brought tears to my eyes, literally just made me cry. And I was scared at the same time, you know, flying underneath that helicopter sure. as you usually are. Um, but th- that was something that was to me beautiful mm-hmm. that I will never forget. What's the good and what's the bad about turning 50? I think I'll start with the good, which is more aware, wiser, you know, in some ways clearer. And for me, which is really important because I think I've been for most of my life in an inpatient person. I see that I'm much more patient and it's reflective in like you were mentioning, you know, the first one always gets it right. (laughs) And and, then my, my firstborn certainly has and. And while they all are experiments, I think this last experiment is probably the, you know, the best iteration from my standpoint, only because of my patience and maturity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that that's something that I recognize and, and value. That being said, I have to wear glasses everywhere I go for reading and for seeing, <laughs> right? And uh, like you said, I mean, I can't party like I could before, right? I take a lot more vitamins now than I ever did <laughs> every day. That's all good stuff. I mean, you know, it's just, this is just a different iteration of, of our lives and our existence. Like I said, I, I've been looking for more and more opportunities to spend out there. So whether it's just my garden and, you know, tending to my kalo or whatever, it's, those are all really fulfilling for me. Like I got to like think about things. I, I can't multitask like I was, you know, like at 30 and 40. And it's just like some switch happens at 50. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> someone turned it on, man, you know, because it's there. It actually forced me to stop. So every day I do my routine, right? It's like I can go swimming or do my yoga. But in the evening, it's like do the massage chair, do the roller. And you know what I mean? So it's all, all balanced stuff. So what's ahead for you in the next 10 years looking ahead? I have, you know, parents who are, you know, 70, I see now, you know, how much they're aging. And so 
health is becoming more of a priority and focus for me. I mean, as much as I'm out there and in the community, and the truth is I'm much wiser at navigating it. And so I think for the next 10 to 20 years, it's really similar work in terms of leadership, mm-hmm. but at a different rate mm-hmm. of expenditure on myself. I do see myself also working a little bit more on, so La'au Lapa'au, my kumu, I spent years with learning medicinal plants and you know using them not only for myself, for my family and, and, and people. But more recently in the last five years, being a part of a PA or Ho'oponopono has really kind of shifted me back to some of what I started with in community service and helping youth and their families. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're a group of five men from Kauai under the you know, guidance of Dennis Kauahi, who's our haku. It's a program that's uh, supported by Ahakane. I think my work will always be in sort of that vein of connecting who I am as a Hawaiian to service to our people. Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably what Kiakua has out for a, me is to be a bridge, a connector. Yeah. For sure. How it shows up, David, I do not know. <laughs> I leave that in Keakua's hand. Like it seems like everything that, that you've got going on has has meaning and, and fulfillment behind it, you know. So yeah. Yeah. I try and make that part of it if I can. You know, being in politics where budget challenges and disparate opinions and pushback against things that are that would seem obviously good for the community. What's your perspective on that? I mean, eight years later, right? And four elections I've ran, obviously, yes. I think that there's always hope. That's what continues to keep me coming back to service, right? Is I've run into and and have met people who really genuinely want to see good happen for the future. And being in government is very challenging because in my mind, and, and at least at the county level, it lacks the capacity to do everything that it can or should for public good, which should really indicate to everyone else you know, in society how proactive we need to be in every aspect, whether it's your work or, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, the work of a teacher, which is endearing and, and so important. Yeah. It just ups the ante more, right, for all of us. I've been blessed and honored to serve. I mean, this is my last term that I'm in, so I'm not clear if I will continue in government, I've always been one to like sort of go where Kiakua says. It sounds like you're there, you know. I don't know if I'm there. I, I think one of the things that I adopted out of uh, the pain I went through in the transition of being a firefighter mm-hmm. was the realization that there are no accidents in life, that mm-hmm. we're just only lessons. And so part of growing and healing even requires some pain for perhaps maybe requires some suffering you know and that's what I prescribe to so I always use the definition of leadership as the art of mobilizing others to want to struggle towards a shared aspiration if we can exemplify how to you know do that in a way that still holds aloha and bring people together you know and be able to develop healthy conflict or whatever it is we need to do to get the best outcomes, mm-hmm. then um, that's what I see I gravitate to constantly in the service. So, Yeah, yeah. I get the struggle thing because without a challenge, there's less reward and satisfaction out the Absolutely. Life is short, right? It that's, is. That's it, man. Yeah. I'm very impressed. 
just listening to you and you know all your ideas and your enthusiasm. Wow, man, Mason, he's doing all this you know meaningful work and important stuff in the community. That's cool. So That's rewarding. Uh, great conversation with you, brother. Oh man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I wish I could hear more from you. I, I I know it was my interview, but I was like, oh man, I, I feel like I want to hear the answer to this from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brother. Well, thank you. And it thanks for be. the time and thanks for the connection and and this, yeah, man, this really, uh, I think, a tribute to to KLE, but also to the, you know, all of our classmates. So I, I thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Primetime Eighty Nine. I'd like to thank our guest Mason Chalk for taking the time to talk story with us. I'd also like to thank everyone who helped put this together: Jamie Barboza and Nicole Yoshimitsu, Wendy Brown, and Kaylee Aquaro. And a special thank you to Drez, Dwayne Andres for the music, and Elizabeth Matson with production and editing. I'm your host, David Matson. Be sure to like us and follow us at Primetime 89 Hawaii, where you can see photos of our guests and their stories. And subscribe to get the latest updates and news of upcoming episodes. And join us again with another classmate on Primetime 89.